This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week Mercado and Manning podcast where we get together and talk about the latest on TV. Usually lots of drama programs because that's our special interest, but a bit of other stuff too. Joining me as he does every week now, we'll see how long that lasts, Andrew Mercado. Welcome back, Andrew. Hi there, James. Um, uh, again, a lot to talk about. Um, I thought we might start with Netflix, which released their sort of what they call their Q1 results for the first three months of calendar 2022. And there was a lot of interesting things that came out of it. Uh, talking, They talked about um, the growth or the slowing of the, their audience globally. Um, they revealed some data about hits. They talked about the challenges of people sharing accounts. And they talked about um, their business model, which might see an advertising tier introduced. They also revealed that they'd lost 200,000 subscribers, which apparently is a first for the organisation. And they have this huge number of subscribers. What is it, 26 million or is it 260 million? 220-odd. 220 million subscribers. They've lost 200,000 subscribers. That doesn't seem like a lot to me in the big picture, but because it's the first ever drop in their subscribers, you know, they've lost billions of dollars today on the share market. Their their stock price has fallen so low. So it's incredible uh, to think that uh, that could cause those sorts of ructions. Yeah, I think people overreact big time to fluctuations in the um, Netflix share price. And as you say, 200,000 isn't a big sort of, um, I mean, it's it's at the end of a growth trend, if you like, and they wouldn't want to see that continue. But, I mean, interestingly, I think revenue was actually up in the quarter. So that's another measure. So that that was still going in the right direction. Um, Yeah. The... They, they talked about the uh, subscriber growth and they think, look, there's a number of factors, including, you know, post-COVID. Um, COVID gave a big boost to streamers all, all over the place. Um, so now that's a sort of returning to normal. Maybe some people who just bought all the streaming platforms, there's a bit of a shakeout. They're sort of cutting back on their spend. Um, and they mentioned the competition. Look, they said there's a lot of competition around now, so people are picking and choosing what they watch, maybe dipping in and out when there's a series they want to watch where in the past we've talked about keeping a Netflix subscription on. Back in the early days when there wasn't a lot you wanted to watch, but it was you just kept it going, you know, because they were one of the, the, the only streaming platforms available and it didn't seem like a big deal, but now you might have a dozen people you'd, you'd be interested in subscribing to. Yeah, um, and also because Netflix prices have been going up slightly all the time. And you're right, James, when you actually have all these other competitors now who are less money than Netflix, uh, that doesn't help them either, especially when it occurs to you that maybe you haven't watched a show on Netflix for a, a bit of a time. Sure. I mean, and, and during our talk today, we've got some um, some examples of some of the other, you know, brilliant content that's getting dropped on other platforms that, yeah, will make people think twice about their um, their spend every month. Um, the ad sharing, uh, the account sharing 
um, challenge they faced is interesting. They talked about that today more than ever. Yeah. They've been working on this for a couple of years and they were very adamant to say, look, we're not going to take accounts away from people who share their account, but they would like to get more money for them. So they said, you know, people who want to share their account with someone out of the home, so like it, that lives somewhere else, there looks like there could be a tier that you might have to pay to keep that going. How, how, how do they know if that email address is in a different home? I mean, you know, you could be giving it to your neighbour across the road and saying we live in the same house. How will they ever check that out? There's so much talk about this today on social media. It, it is really interesting and so many theories being flung around. I mean, one uh, interesting thread I read today was that, uh, you know, Netflix talk about the fact that Amazon Prime and Disney Plus have so many more subscribers these days and that's clearly competition to them. But, you know, some people on social media are actually saying, have a look at the daily use for TikTok. It's now up to one hour. That's effect That could be affecting Netflix's bottom line too. So it's no surprise to me that uh, as more and more competitors come into the field that Netflix are now talking about a model where not only will they charge you extra for someone else watching your account, but, I mean, they're talking about uh, putting ads onto the platform, which is something they always swore black and blue they would never do, right? <laughs> yeah, that uh, Reed Hastings just dropped that as a, as a bit of an aside during a, a call with an analyst um, this week. And, um, and I think it took a few people by surprise. They said they've been looking at this for a long time. And um, I think uh, Reed Hastings' quote was, look, People who know Netflix well know that I've I've long um, had a bit of an aversion to the to the sort of advertising model. Um, he said, but and I always he said it was a, it's a complication. It's a complicated system. He likes the simplicity of subscription, but he also said, look, he's also up for consumer choice. And he said, if there are people who would become Netflix members if the price was lower. And he were what what he called ad tolerant, and we've talked about that before too. Where you you get a little bit ad tolerant, don't you? You know, over the years of watching TV. But whether you would, I mean, people like pay for Foxtel and sit through ads, I guess. Yeah. So there must be a percentage of people who would, you know, take up Netflix if it was, let's say, it was half price. Um, for for me, I think it's um. It, I can understand the financials, it makes sense, but for me the whole idea of streaming and on-demand content is that it's uninterrupted. So it be, would be fascinating to see how Netflix would do it. I'm, We've talked about this too before. I'm prepared to sit through a pre-roll or a post-roll uh, with my programming, which is, I think, how uh, Foxtel treat a lot of their HBO programming. For example, a Game of Thrones. You had a few ads at the start something yeah. at the end that they, they'd never interrupt the program. That's about as far as I could go. I, I just wouldn't be up for it if they wanted to insert an ad sort of halfway through. You know, but, you know, a lot of these business models are already around, James, with uh, in certain countries. Hulu, for example, in America have two versions where you pay, and I, and I see it on YouTube all the time. Would you like 
to pay money to be able to watch YouTube with no ads. And I always say, no, thanks, I'm fine. But, yeah, you're right, it's really annoying when an ad comes into the middle of something randomly uh, and interrupts the action. But, yeah, look, you know, I think that there's models that you could pay for. Uh, I, I'm more than happy to watch a pre-roll of ads. That's fine. I doubt very much, though, that Netflix are going to suddenly, you know, offer subscribers a 50% discount uh, because they're going to start putting ads on the platform. I'd say that uh, they'd probably slyly introduce it another way, like we're about to put up our prices, but if you don't want to pay those extra prices for <laughs> Netflix, uh, then, you know, you you know there. I, I doubt very much that there's going to be a cheaper version of Netflix available without ads. I think they're, they're going to work that into the future in terms of rising prices. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I think for a lot of people, the actual cost of the subscription is not expensive. What gets expensive is when you get a range of subscriptions, right? Yeah, If yeah. you start getting Stan, you start getting Disney+, Plus, you know, you start getting uh, Prime Video, that, that starts to get expensive and you've got to start making decisions then about um, what, what you would do, which you didn't in the early days because it was Netflix and, you know, they really pioneered that whole space. And, you know, you and I are old school, James. We've always watched TV with ads in there. That's how it's done. Um, but, you know, you've got a generation of kids now that don't watch free-to-wear TV. They're not interested in watching ads. They find it a huge uh, distraction and an interruption to their experience. So uh, I think that's got to be taken into account now. What does the audience expect? Um, because there's different... Uh, expectations now depending on how old you are and how long you've been watching TV in all its many forms. Sure, sure. Let's talk about some um, programming on Netflix. I think something we've both dipped into a little bit is uh, the new Anatomy of a Scandal that uh, Sienna Miller and uh, Rupert Friend in the um, lead roles. Have you seen much? Well, I'm watching uh, a little bit of it today. I'm fascinated by the incredibly mixed reviews uh, that are coming out, especially from the UK. Um, someone did suggest to me that there could be a bit of UK snobbery about the fact that David E. Kelly, an American producer, is doing uh, a British story and a, a story about class, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of negativity about the way this show is handling uh, a rape storyline and the consequences of that rape. Uh, I, I read that the ending particularly leaves people a bit uncomfortable and, you know, you and I have been talking about for the last couple of weeks shows that take you on a journey and you sit with them for six hours or whatever and then they have a cop-out ending. It's, it's the worst possible word of mouth that can start going around about a show. Why did I bother watching, spending so much time watching that show? The ending is such a cop-out. Oh, you've gone that far, have you? Okay. Well, no spoilers, please. I'm, I'm no still early into it. No but, spoilers. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of um, Rupert Friend. Um, you know, he, I, he had an amazing character um, that developed throughout Homeland. And, ah, yeah. And it was, um, it almost sort of became his, um, his, his show in a little way because he was, you know, 
he ended up a, a, a real mess because of what he went through during the, his years as a, if you, as a spy, if you like, for the, um, for the CIA. And yeah. he, he was just so good in that. Um, and it reminds me, I'm still sort of, uh, I've still got the final season of um, the 96 episodes that uh, was Homeland to go. Even though Claire Danes was the, you know, the series was really hers. But I, yeah. I think um, Rupert Friend, Damian Lewis, Mandy Patinkin, uh, um, yeah, all, all have a claim to be sort of really key figures in, in that show. Um, yeah. But, yeah, look, I've only watched one episode. Um, Sienna Miller and, and Rupert are a husband and wife. He's a polit- British politician. He gets caught having an affair. Um, and the first episode plays out about, you know, the Daily Mail breaks the news. He rushes home to explain it to his wife. He comes out. He makes the public apology. And you think that's sort of the way the um, series might go, sort of expand on this, but something drops at the end of that first season, which takes it up a level. You've already alluded to what it might be. So, yeah, so that's, it'll be fascinating to see how it develops from there. But, yeah, I'm quite enjoying it. Now, you mentioned David E. Kelly. Um, I think he's got a big Netflix deal now. He's also got The Lincoln Lawyer coming, I think, which drops um, in May. I think that's one of his too. So I'm looking out for that as well. That's interesting because, I mean, the last couple of shows he's been been making have been for HBO, uh, Big Little Lies, The Undoing. Um, I mean, I love Big Little Lies, the first series. I didn't like The Undoing. So, uh, But I like Sienna Miller, so that's why I'm watching Anatomy of a Scandal. But it's interesting, interesting James, that there are two shows with the word scandal in the title right now because last night I watched a very British scandal, which at three episodes is half the running time of Anatomy of a Scandal on Netflix. And, gee, a very British scandal with, you know, Claire Foy and Paul Bettany. Wow. I just thought it was magnificent from beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just quickly on on that, uh, The Lincoln Lawyer coming next month. It um, features um, Angus Sampson's got a role in it. So it'd be... Uh, It'd be good to see him and um, Neve Campbell's in it as well. Right. I mean, look, David E. Kelly is very hit and miss. He's a bit like Ryan Murphy. When he gets it right, it's fantastic. When he doesn't get it so right, you go, but, you know, there's often enough stuff in those shows with the cast, he picks the actors and all that, and you go, well, I'd rather watch a, a bad uh, Ryan Murphy or David E. Kelly <laughs> show than, you know, an episode of NCIS, for example. Yeah, and then you mentioned scandal then too. I mean, the, the British love um, putting the word scandal in a TV title. Um, not just yeah. the British, I guess. There was, a, I think, the American TV series probably a decade ago now with Kerry Washington that was just called yes. Scandal. Yep. Um, we mentioned Anatomy of a Scandal. There was a very British scandal with Claire Foy and Paul Bettany. Yep. Which um, uh, there was a 1989 movie, I think, Scandal with John Hurt. Which was, oh, I, mean, I think that was fantastic, James. Was that the film of the Christine Keeler? Yeah, that's Christine wow. Keeler starring Joanne Wiley, Bridget Fonda, John Hurt. There must be some issue with the copyright about this film because you never see it on TV. It's never been released on DVD here in Australia. It's not streaming. But, look, that film 
Scandal 1989. If you can lay your hands on a copy, I think it's one of the uh, what, what it's one of my favorite films of the 80s. Yeah, wait, I'm not finished. Notes on a Scandal with uh, <laughs> Kate Blanchett and Judy Dench from 2006, and then the, a very English scandal with uh, Hugh Grant and uh, Ben Whishaw from 2018. And this series, A Very British Scandal, is kind of a follow-up to A Very English Scandal. But, you know, I keep looking at it going, you know, a lot of it is set in Scotland around this castle, and I think, why didn't they call it A Very Scottish Scandal? And then they've still got some material to do, you know, A Very British Scandal down the, down the aisle there. Sure, sure. I'm not um, quite sure that anyone's going to watch A Very Welsh Scandal, though, James. <laughs> No, no. The British certainly has more pull than um, the Scotland as well, I think. But while we're talking about um, streaming platforms, let's turn our attention to Stan. And, boy, they've got some um, – they've really been dropping some content lately and um, making announcements about forthcoming things. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm really looking forward to is the second season of Hacks with um, Gene Smart and Hannah Einbinder. Which, yes, um, I think soon, isn't it? Uh, yeah, May 13. I think there's right. eight, eight episodes. Now, Jean Smart, she won an Emmy from memory for this? Yeah, I think she did. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was really great. She plays a comedian in her, in her senior years and um, Hannah Einbinder is just great in this. She comes in as a, as a young writer um, who was pitched this job. She thought, oh, look. That's not me, you know, but I think she goes in that, She goes to live in Las Vegas, isn't it? She's living Correct. in Las Vegas, as, as a lot of comedians do in their, in their later in life because there's good work for them in the um, Las Vegas uh, casinos. And it's just fascinating, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing that one. Now, you'd be all over a couple of things they've got coming up. Um, Drag Race 7, the, the, the latest RuPaul series, is dropping on May 20. Yeah, so the the grand final of the current series will drop here on Saturday. Uh, so we'll find out who the next drag race superstar is, and then they go into an all stars edition. And of course, okay. we know they've got that next series of RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under, which will be the second series that was filmed. It's in the can. Um, oh. Last year, they announced who the contestants were at Mardi Gras, and it aired not long afterwards. They're spending a bit airing it a bit later in the year this time. It's still being filmed in Auckland, uh, which is where they filmed it last year. So it's still yep. New Zealand contestants and Australian contestants. But that's got to be just around the corner as well. Sure. Okay. Okay. Now, there's a reimagining of Queer as Folk coming up too, which I don't know much about, dropping on June 10, so it's a little way off. So this will be the third version, if you think the original British version by Russell T Davies, then the American version, which was a Showtime series, pretty popular. You know, a lot of uh, young kids talk to me as that series being very, very influential for them. Um, with the reboot, I think what, you, what you're going to see is a real uh, new focus uh, on non-binary characters, trans characters. The original really only had gay men, lesbians and drag queens. I think this one will uh, look at going across the spectrum a lot more. And I'm seeing some talk about a UK show called Heart 
brake or I think no hard stoppers, uh, which is they promise they're going to do uh, bisexual characters in a way that's never been done on TV before. So this is what the young kids want. This is this is coming uh, from young adults to uh, include this representation. So Queer as Folk is not for the people who grew up with Queer as Folk and are feeling nostalgic. It's for a whole new young audience that need to be educated today and be entertained. Yeah, look, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this one when there's some um, episodes to preview, I'm guessing. But just from this distance, uh, some interesting guest stars will be dropping in on the series, in, including uh, Kim Cattrall and Juliette Lewis. Yeah, amazing. It'll be good to see uh, Kim Cattrall back, uh, given that she wasn't in Just Like That, the all uh, the Sex and the City spin-off. She still has a lot of fans, and uh, a lot of those fans are gay, so they'll be happy to see her in Queer as Folk. A couple more things. Uh, an announcement just this week about a new Stan original movie. This one really sounds intriguing, called Nude Tuesday, um, starring uh, Damon Harriman, who's, who's keeps himself pretty busy, doesn't he? But this is this is intriguing. Again, we'll talk a little bit more when the screen is available, which I don't think is far off. Um, but it's it's they've created a special language for this. It's actually not in English, which uh, makes you think, how good an idea is this? But let's not prejudge it too much. Um, but there will be special um, dubbed versions. And uh, Celia Pecola is going to be... Um, the voice in one of these sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? Dubbed. Um... Look, the, the, the whole thing is so hilariously bizarre. I still can't get my head around it. Damon Harriman, great Aussie actor, uh, with New Zealand actors Germaine Clements from Flight of the Concords and Jackie de Burke or Jackie de Beek. She was in Van the Break Beek, of I think, yeah. Yeah, so they, Damon and Jackie play a married couple. They end up at this sort of nude or naturist <laughs> resort, speaking in this funny language. Yes, there's going to be one version on Stan. There's going to be a di another version with subtitles. And then I see Julia Davis is doing another version for UK cinemas. And this is Julia Davis from... Nighty Night and Sally Forever, one of my absolute favourites. And I nearly fell off the couch last night when she turned up in a dramatic role in a very British scandal, playing Margaret, this 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 toffee lady in British high society. It was like, oh, my God, that's Julia Davis. So very, very interesting. I think we'll hear a lot more about this project as we get closer to it. But that uh, release schedule they have of releasing different versions of the film with different interpretations based on this fake language. That is fascinating, James. Yeah, and I think it's something you could, you know, commercially it sounds box office poison, doesn't it? But the streaming platforms can do this creative, you know, invention, if you like. You know, they, they have a model where things like this could work. You can give yeah. different versions. You can give people alternatives. And yeah. it's a... It's just one of the of a big broader offering, you know. If this had to stand on its own feet commercially in a cinema, you'd be very worried, you know. But the way they're doing it here, it just could work. It reminds me a bit of when DVDs first came on the market and the special features started getting bigger and bigger and people started buying DVDs because of the audio commentary tracks and all of these 
extra features that they put on. It's a, it's a way to, it's like adding value to something. I, I really think it's a great idea. One more thing from Stan today is um, a, a, a short run series, might have been only a couple of episodes, um, Angeline, uh, yeah. sort of a portrait of the, she was a Los Angeles sort of model um, who appeared on billboards, you know. She and, paid for her own billboards and with her name on it, and you could always find her apparently at this certain part of LA every day. And you know, she was looking for her big break. I had a look at the trailer. This is a show that's being made for Peacock, NBC's streaming service in the US, screening here on Stan. Uh, and Emily Rossum from Shameless plays Angeline. And in the trailer, there's, I see her meeting Hugh Hefner and, you know, so obviously she was talking to people about starting some sort of career, but her career really went nowhere. She was just a billboard and just a bit of an icon in LA, even though she had one name beginning with A. And if Stan ever want to make a miniseries about the life of Abigail, they should come talk to me because we had our own Australian sex symbol with one name uh, in the 70s. Uh, so, yeah, but Angeline, I'm looking forward to. Yeah, hold that thought. That's not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> that, that the night Australian TV lost its virginity with Abigail at the helm. It's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, Emily Rossum plays uh, Angeline. Yeah. Don't know much about her. I think she was in a lot of episodes of Shameless. Was well, um, she was the daughter, uh, uh, you know, Frank Gallagher's daughter. Okay. And um, an interesting cast member to me cropped up with Martin Freeman's in it. Um, wow. Uh, I've only seen him briefly. I think he appears briefly in the trailer or a couple of stills. I haven't seen a full cast list, but he looks like he plays some sort of um, LA entrepreneur back in the day or a manager or something, you know. So, yeah. That um, seems an unlikely um, part for him, but um, could be another reason to watch it. Yeah. Um, I missed him in the trailer. I'll have to have another look now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, the just wanted to mention briefly, go off topic of dramas for a minute, talk about um, Sky News. Now, Sky News have got a, an interesting doco coming up on Menzies. Um, now, it's going to be narrated, I think, by John Howard, Correct. one of Australia's longest-serving PMs. But the thing about this that is interesting is the timing. It's yeah. going to be re released on May 18. What a surprise that uh, Sky News are being strategic about the timing of their docos, James. What a surprise. Yeah, well, when you've got oh, things like this. Isn't this home movies of Sir Robert Menzies? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be um, footage and documentary stuff that's never been seen before, Yeah, which, you know, is a historical document. Sounds fine by me, but it, it is interesting. It's been scheduled for three days before people vote in a um, so conspiracy theorists would say, Oh, look, look at this. This is Sky News, you know, going out of its way to help promote maybe a conservative cause. And Sir Robert Menzies, the Prime Minister that didn't want Australia to have TV, he put it off and off for as long as he could because he didn't want to deal with it. He wanted to do radio and newsreels. And in the end, his hands were tied because of the 1956 Olympic Games in Melbourne. He had to get TV for the Olympic Games. But honestly, if Melbourne hadn't had those games, Christ knows when we would have got TV in Australia if Menzies had had his way. 
Yeah, interesting. And as you, as you say that, just as an aside, that um, interesting about he wasn't alone though in thinking TV would be a passing fad. Maybe I'm, in my, I, I think back to that first couple of episodes of Julia, uh, which we talked about um, one or two podcasts ago. Um, that her and her husband um, was David Hyde Pierce, isn't it? Plays her husband. Yes. Um, she wants to get a TV so she can see the pilot for the show, TV show she's making. And he's going, oh, look, you know, we don't need a TV. It's a passing fad. Nothing yeah. wrong with radio, you know. TV will come and go. So, yeah, he no. wasn't alone now. You've also seen... Oh, by the way, James, seen- you've hooked me on, Julia. I told oh, you right. I'd go back to it, and I did. And about 20 minutes into that first episode, I'd watched 15 minutes. I went back to it. Within five minutes, something happened. I went, oh, I think I get this now. So I'm in. I think I'm up to episode five. I love it because of that TV history that's happening concurrently through it. And, yeah, we both love Sarah Lancashire, but I'm in. I love it. I'll be there for the end. It works on a lot of levels, doesn't it? I mean, it's really got a lot to offer. You think, oh, you know, it's a biopic about a cook. Well, no, no, it's not. It's um, it's the period, it's the times, it's about relationships, it's about media. Um, yeah. It's just fascinating. I, I actually had reason to watch the first two episodes again, which I don't often do, but I did, and I got so much more out of it. it was, wow. Um, yeah. So it was. Um, it, it is. It is really a good show, and a, a, a lot more than it seems on the surface. Now, I wonder. Something we also talked about recently was. Um, Steve Coogan coming up in a series called um, Chivalry. Yeah, um, it's a it's a sitcom about. Uh, I think he's a film producer, and as the Me Too movement breaks, he has to sort of change. He's he's an old school, you know. He's he, he does he does the wrong thing, and he needs to change the way he operates. So it, it's sort of a comedy based around that. It looks fascinating. It starts in the UK this week. It's going to be on C4. I haven't seen the old track down where it might show up in Australia yet. But the reason I bring this up is we talked about Jimmy Savile, I think, in the last episode. Coogan yeah. also plays Jimmy Savile in a forthcoming drama called The Reckoning. Oh, another Jimmy Savile. I don't think I can deal with another one. But if you Google um, Google. Steve Coogan, Jimmy Savile, and you'll get all the images. He looks very scary as wow. Jimmy Savile, wow. I've got to tell you. Um, he's been he, – it's not exactly copping flat, but he, a lot of people have been questioned. He, he's on the PR circuit for chivalry in the UK at the moment, and people are questioning about the Jimmy Savile role, and, and he's sort of explaining why he took it on, you know, because some people are surprised that, you know, why would you want to do this? And he talks about, look, he thinks – his decision will be sort of vindicated when people see the series and see the context. And well, he also talked he about scripts, and he knows where it's going. But yeah, if you've if you've just watched that Netflix documentary and gone, "Whoa, oh, that was more Jimmy Savile I ever needed in my life," <laughs> you'd better be hoping Steve Coogan's got a version that's going to have something more to illuminate the story because I think it's very triggering for a lot of people in the UK who grew up for it, who grew up with him and uh, in the same way that former fans of Bill Cosby uh, grapple with uh, the consequences of who he really is and was as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, 
couple of things you've put on the agenda today. Now, I haven't been able to watch an episode yet, but we've both been looking forward to Barons for some time. Tell us a bit yeah. about it. I've watched four episodes. Uh, there's six. This is the surfing drama that opens in 1971, loosely based on uh, Australian surf brands like Billabong. So, you know, surfers who just want to surf and not work very hard, but, you know, the potential for them to make new board shorts specifically for surfers. Um, it's kind of slow to start with, but once it gets going, it's really going. Um, I love it. There's this uh, female tomboy surfer in it uh, called Danny, um, Hunter Page, uh, Leonard and uh, Sean Keenan and uh, the cast is fantastic. There's an incredible uh, guest star turned from Kick Gurry as this crazy guy in the Bali jungle. No more information, but, yeah, you'll know that scene when you see it and think back, that's the guy from Looking for Ala Brandy and it's great to see Kick Gurry still kicking around these days too. But, yeah, Barron's really, really great. It starts on ABC on Sunday night. I don't know if they're going to put it all up to binge on iView from night one, uh, but if they were smart, they'd do it week by week because I think that there's, uh, I think that there'll be some really great word of mouth uh, for this one. Okay. I mean, I've been wanting a, a substantial role for um, Sean Keenan since Puberty Blues, I guess. Um, yeah. he, he's, he's done a bit of stuff then, but is he good in this? Oh, he's fantastic. He's basically the star of the show. And he's done yeah. a great interview with TV tonight where he talks about the fact that, yes, he has had a lot of roles where he's been a surfer, starting with Lockie Leonard, going through to Puberty Blues. Um, and oh, there's another one in there as well where he was surfing. He has done a lot of TV shows where he's been on a surfboard. But, hey, you'd be crazy to turn them down if you're a surfer in real life. And this is the ultimate. Barron's is, going, is kind of this ultimate surfing saga. Um, he had to be there. He's been in some interesting projects. I mean, he was in The Power of the Dog. Yes, he was. Um, he was in Nitrum, which I haven't seen yet. And That's the other I, movie he was surfing in. He's the surfer. He that Martin Bryant wants to be like. That's the other okay. movie. Okay. Okay. Have yeah. you watched Nitrum? Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah I want to look at that. Um, I'm very interested. He was in Glitch. He was in the True History of the Kelly Gang, which oh, I really didn't like. But um, Yeah. He was good in go. Glitch, though. He, was, he played a World War I soldier who turned out to be gay. That came back to him in his memory. He was also in that remake of Wake in Fright. Wasn't his fault. Was. That wasn't a great remake, but he, he was. Good. He was good in. He was. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. He's really him. good. He's strong. For sure, for sure. Okay, so that's Barons. I watch out for that. Um, another one. I don't know much about this either. The baby. Yeah, I don't know much about this either, but I want to point it out to people. Uh, so HBO comedies begin on Foxtel next Monday. A new season of Barry. Um, that's the, the sitcom oh, yeah. about the contract killer that wants to be a comedian. I think this is season three, I think. But afterwards, a half-hour British comedy horror show called The Baby, and I watched the trailer and it looks really weird. And, you know, just those three things together, British comedy horror makes me want to watch. Uh, there's been no previews for it, uh, so I'll check it out next week when it goes to air and get back to you next week. Okay. And now uh, there's been a few docos about um, Playboy, about Hugh Hefner over the years, some 
Uh, I think it was a dramatization as well. But um, Fox Docs have got something called Secrets of Playboy. Yeah, it starts on Sunday night. I think this is the doco that people have been talking about where some of the uh, women uh, are revealing that Hugh Hefner used to drug them and there was, a, you know, some very uh, unfortunate stuff going on in the Playboy Mansion. It's very disappointing to me. I've, I've always loved Hugh Hefner. I thought he sort of lost the plot a bit when he started, you know, hanging out with those girls and doing the girls at the Playboy Mansion in early 2000. He started coming across like a kind of a almost a senile old man. If you actually go back to the start of uh, Playboy magazine, uh, Hugh Hefner was a real champion for civil rights. He had a lot of articles in his magazine about it. He was a big supporter of women's lib and gay lib. And when he did Playboy After Dark, his nighttime show in the 60s, he had black performers on that show and a whole bunch of TV stations in the South weren't going to take that show and they were all advising him, don't do this, just do the show with white performers. And he said, no, we're doing that show with Ella Fitzgerald and I don't care what you say. And he pushed through and in the end all those uh, networks down south did take Playboy after dark. So um, it's it's really sad to me that these revelations are coming out that as he got older, he was indulging in some bad behaviour. I will definitely be watching Secrets of Playboy uh, and uh, finding out what was going on. Okay, look, that just about wraps us up for today. The um, <clears throat> One of my final thoughts um, for the podcast will be at the uh, we've had a date for Pistol, I think. Not sure if I mentioned this before, the Sex Pistols um, series made by Danny Boyle for Disney+. Oh, Plus. wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited. I love Danny Boyle's work. Oh, yeah. I, yeah we're both going to love this one. It's coming on Disney Plus at the end of May. Um, I, I found a had a look at the cast. Maisie Williams plays Jordan in this, who was sort of a... Um, a London um, on the London model on the London scene at the time. She was front yeah. row at a lot of the Sex Pistols gigs. She's credited with sort of, you know, she's. I mean, that's not the right way to say, it, but she's like um, a, a, a punk pinup from Central Casting, if you like. She she sort of yeah. set the tone for sort yeah. of the classic English punk look. So look, that's going to be fantastic. Um, and there's some role, great roles for women in this. Um, Chrissy Hines, someone else who's portrayed in the series as is Susie Sue and the controversial Nancy Spungen, who is often yeah. credited as as being, you know, a really bad influence on uh, Sid Vicious and sort of, you know, is that famous um, movie Sid and Nancy about right. the sort of, yeah, yeah. The, the sort of spiral down of, um, um, of their lives towards the end. But yeah. this promises to be fascinating. It's the, the stories based on the memoirs of Steve Jones, um, guitarist in the band. So, yeah, it's just going to be fascinating. So I'm looking forward to that one. And Disney Plus are doing some really setting the pace these days, aren't they? Some people yeah. have been telling me, look, they're, they're actually the first streaming platform you need to consider these days for some of the content they're putting out. Of course, they had that Pam and Tommy last month, which we were both um, thought was pretty fascinating. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Anything from you before we uh, wrap it up? Uh, well, not really. Um, Catherine, uh, Catherine Tate's got a new comedy on Netflix we should probably look at oh, and talk about. Okay. Sell. She's doing like the Chris Lilly type mockumentary. Um, and next week we maybe, maybe or maybe not will have watched Piers Morgan's new show, which is 
going all over the world. Um, his first guest is Donald Trump. There's a promo where Donald Trump walks out. Um, <laughs> could that all be a setup? I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, Piers says that, you know, he's one of these people that's been silenced, but thank God he's been paid millions and millions of dollars not to be silenced anymore, James, because it's, it's terrible. The world cannot silence Piers Morgan any longer. <laughs> Well, you're you're a bit more cynical about Piers than I am, but I, I, I like to think he's a bit of a. Um, yeah, I enjoy some of his work, to be honest. You yeah. know, his. Um, I certainly don't agree with his politics. Well, and he's very, he, he's hard to pigeonhole too much. But some of the things I I do support, but he says he's very big on free speech. Um, just just how authentic that is, I'm not sure. But from from, from what he says about some things, I, I'm sort of behind him. It's going to be very interesting to see how he makes a show that is going to work in the UK, the US and Australia. Be very interesting. Um, I imagine that there's a theme. He says the show's going to be about cancelling cancel culture. Um, And so certainly, you know, there's a whole bunch of uh, news outlets that like to run with that theme and Piers' show looks like it will support it. But I'd like to think that the show will be more than just that. Um, and it has to be if it's going to continue. Uh, so yeah, let's see. It starts next week. Yeah, yeah. That um, that Catherine Tate series is called Hard Sell. Yeah, um, C E double L. So she she hasn't been very prolific lately, has she? She hasn't done a lot really since the the Catherine Tate show sort of wrapped. Um, I think so she's made a movie though with the character from the Catherine Tate show Nan, and she yeah, had a TV. Christmas special once, like a Scrooge special. It was very funny. And uh, if there's a movie there, fingers crossed it's good. Sometimes some of those sitcom characters in the UK don't translate that well to the big screen, but fingers crossed on that. Yeah, it's called the Nan movie. I'm, I'm not sure it's actually out yet. but um, Oh, it's still to come. It's still it? to come. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's listed for this year, so that, that'll be interesting. It's been quite a few years, though, since... Um, since the Catherine Tate show, was it? It's it has been. It's nearly a decade. It's been. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. Oh, it's, you know, that, more than that, I reckon. No, okay. Okay. More um, than that. Oh, yeah. 2009. Wow. Yeah. So that's, um, wow. That's 13 years. So that's. Um, yeah. It's a long time. Yeah, absolutely. There was only ever 22 episodes. It seems like it went for years and years, didn't it? It just—it's just one of those shows that you know, you know, some of those great uh, comedy shows have a life because people like to watch them again and again and again. When they go off the air, people are still watching them, you know, religiously and repeatedly. So it, it feels like they've been around for a lot longer than they really are. It's sort of the same with Little Britain there for a while. Yeah, and I mean, some of the vernacular has just gone into sort of. Um into totally. sort of yeah. everyday conversation, like computer says no. <laughs> yeah. And her, her catchphrase was, am I bothered? I'm not bothered. Are you bothered? I'm not bothered. <laughs> if you can get a catchphrase into the mainstream, you are a successful comedian. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll be talking about that one in future too. But for the time being, um, Andrew Mercado, great to be with you again today and we'll, um, we'll do this all again next week. Thanks, James. Have a great week.